The Candid Frame is supported by donations by listeners just like you. Help us to bring you great conversations with great photographers. Support the show today with your monthly contribution through our Patreon effort at patreon.com forward slash The Candid Frame or click on the link in the show notes or the website at thecandidframe.com. Thank you. This is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame. Before we begin, I want to share that I'll be in San Antonio, Texas, attending 4x5 Photo Fest on November 18th. I'll be conducting two live interviews with local photographers. It's a great event, not only for San Antonio photographers, but anyone with a serious passion for photography. You can find out more by visiting 4x5photofest.com. That's 4x5photofest.com. And I'll also be attending this year's Miami Street Photography Festival on December 7th through the 10th, where I'll be conducting a master class on street photography. The event showcases some legendary street photographers, which you don't want to miss. To find out more and to register for my class, visit MiamiStreetPhotographyFestival.org. Regardless of how long you've been listening to this show, you have undoubtedly considered the idea of being your own boss. Whether you're actually doing that now or just dreaming about the idea, you've heard hundreds of photographers share their own stories of how they've gotten there. Though the fantasy of being your own boss is a wonderful place to daydream, it's always making the choice to put in the time and do the work that makes such dreams a reality. Paul Friedman always knew that he wanted to be his own boss, which led him to a career as a photographer, but also eventually resulted in him starting Lens Pro to Go, an online camera equipment rental service that has enjoyed great success over the past 10 years. What's fascinating about his story is that he didn't wait until he thought he was completely ready to take on the challenge of building on a new and untested business model. He dove in and despite some admitted mistakes, can lay claim to making one of his dreams come true. Well, Paul, welcome to The Candid Frame. It's a pleasure to have you join us on the show. Thanks. Thanks, Abaranex. Great to be here. Uh, yours is a sort of an interesting story. And one of the things I sort of picked up on is that having your own business was all, always sort of a, a big goal for you to have. And I thought, right. we, I thought we would start there as to why that was so important to you. Yeah, well, that it's a good question. I, I, I don't, I can't really tell you why it was so important to me. I just, I can tell you that, you know, perhaps ever since college, it's just been my goal to be, to have my own thing and just to run things the way I want to uh, run a business. And, and you know, my, my goals in the end were not to have like even a really big company, which, but just to run things the way I thought that they should run. And if it was a, a customer focused company that it ended up being, which it, which it did is, you know, I, I just wanted to have a company where I, I could treat 
people, our, our customers, the way I would want to be treated as a as a customer. And it's you know, in the end, it's not really terribly difficult to do that. And yet, so so few companies actually do treat their customers really great. So it wasn't born of some experiences you had, like working for someone else or something you witnessed in terms of your your parents' uh, work history. Yeah, no, it did. It did. I I um I graduated college. I eventually went to business school. Uh, I worked for a lot of uh, different companies, both large and small, in various analytical kind of capacities. And I worked for some really good companies. I worked for some really not so good companies. And I certainly saw the, both the good and the bad at, at different companies, things that they were really good at, things they weren't good at. Uh, of course, anyone who's experienced, you know, both large and small companies have experienced company politics, which I despised. And, you know, and I, I used to work for a, a large, well-respected company here in the Boston area. And I worked there for a few years. It was about three years or so. And it was a really good experience. And, and they treat their people really well. A lot of people stay there for a very long time. For me personally, it was, it was I'm grateful for the experience, but I also knew in being there, that's like, I, I just don't want to be here for the next 25 years. This is not what I want to be doing with my life. And I used to look at people at the time when I was there, I was in my early 30s. And uh, I used to look at people like in their, you know, mid 50s or so, they've been there for 25 or 30 years, they have a good job, they get treated well. And I used to look at them and be like, I just don't want to be that guy. I, I want to go out and do my own thing. And, and it certainly wasn't about the money because I, I didn't have any, you know, terribly grand ambitions about what a, a company would be. I just wanted to be in charge of my life. Yeah. I just wanted to, you know, I, I didn't want to be at the whim of whatever company or whatever manager I happened to be. Uh, working for at the time, I just wanted to be in charge of my own destiny, running a small company the way I thought it should be run. I, I think with any kind of entre- entrepreneur, there's a little bit of arrogance there, you know, in saying like, "Hey, I I see what other companies are doing, and I can do it better." So, you know, I had a little bit of that arrogance because you you have to have a little bit to mm-hmm. think that. You can go out and strike out on your own and think that you can do things better than they're currently being done. And and certainly that was the case with me. But when I eventually started Lens Pro to Go, I mean the the whole goal was, you know, A, treat your customers really great. You know, treat treat uh, my my philosophy that I, you know, try to teach everyone here is that treating your customers is good for business or, or being good to your customers is good for business and, and being great to your customers is great for business. And, and, and really in the end it takes so so very little incremental effort to make your customers feel wonderful and appreciated and it's so relatively easy to to create customers for life but you know so few cu- custo- uh, companies you know make that extra effort to to treat their customers great you know one of the things that that, that piques my interest though is that there are a lot of people who aspire to be their own boss to have their, a living especially amongst photographers yeah but not everyone is able to 
to do that. And, you know, you just spelled out that you had a really clear vision in terms of what you wanted to create in terms of the relationship between the customer and and and, and yourself and your, and, and your business. But I'm, I'm wondering, right. was it that vision alone that helped you to be able to push through the myriad of obstacles that you no doubt faced in trying to create first a business as a photographer and eventually Lens Pro to go? Uh, yeah, right. Um, uh, no, definitely. It takes, you know, a lot more than, than just the vision. And I'll be the first to admit that it, it it's, you know, it certainly takes a, a good deal of, of luck. I think any, any successful business is, is around it doing, you know, sometimes a small part, sometimes a large part to luck. And, and that was definitely the case with me. You know, when I, when I started, I mean, my only true goal, and, and at the time I was shooting as well, so I, I had my corporate job, which I couldn't wait to get out of. I had started a photography business, and, and I was doing, you know, starting to do pr- pretty decent with it. This is like in the 05, 06 timeframe. So shooting weddings and events and portraits and, you know, everything like that, and, and started Lens Pro to go. You know, really my only goal was to cobble together a living with both the the photography and and the lens renting business on the side as well it, it, the the rental business grew so quickly so so large so quickly you know that I didn't expect that but you know in the in the it was it was certainly in due in small part to being at the right place at the right time in in our little niche of an industry here of of renting gear online because it was so so new and no one really knew what it was uh, the, the vision that I had in terms of the way we shipped and presented gear to people, the, the customer interactions, you know, I was able to carry out. But, but there was a lot of luck in there, too, for sure. Absolutely. Do you think there was an advantage into being at sort of the inception of this sort of business in this industry as opposed to becoming a photographer, which just has this, this legacy and, you know, the sort of baggage? Did, did not having something to compare yourself to was that helpful Uh, yes definitely Uh, I mean I think in in any industry you know if you're able to get into the ground floor of of any kind of industry you're you're already have a little bit of a leg up and and especially if you can create a good uh, reputation for your business in in our you know own little you know the greater industry of photography which which I was in of course if you can create that great reputation in the early goings that's going to help tremendously too um, but yeah there was no blueprint for creating this kind of a company it didn't exist a few years before we started. Uh, so we were kind of creating, and I say we, I mean me and, and, and my other counterparts who started uh, a, a similar lens rental kind of a company at the same, you know, roughly the same time. You know, no one had a blueprint for that. So we were all just kind of um, carving our way and making mistakes along the way and figuring things out. You know, a lot of things that we did then we, you know, wouldn't do now or we do much differently now. So it was... It was, yeah, sort of a, a pioneer sort of an atmosphere at the time. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's an, interesting, an interesting thing to note because so many people sort of keep themselves from doing it because they feel like, well, I don't know enough. Yeah. I don't have enough experience doing it. And you in, in your business are a wonderful example of, you know, even though you didn't know everything that you needed to know when you started, right. you nevertheless were able to meet whatever challenges, whatever crises, whatever things that you had to learn uh, in order to make it to make it happen. So tell me about 
how in the midst of all of that, you're able to sort of persist and not get to the point where you're overwhelmed where everything just sort of collapses onto itself. Oh, I was overwhelmed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that is a great question. So I, I knew that I didn't know everything. And in fact, I knew that I knew very little about going in to this space. You know, I, I think I, I was very, because I always wanted to have my own business, I was very, very prepared for a risk. I was prepared to not know. And, and, I, and I do know that it takes hmm. a certain kind of person to be able to say that and be okay with that. Even now, as we uh, hire people uh, now, you know, 11 years after we started, I tell people, like, you have to be comfortable with a little, at least a little bit of ambiguity because we don't have uh, an employee manual to tell you exactly what to do and how to do everything. We like to hire uh, intelligent people who can make their own decisions about things after they collect enough information. There isn't a black and white way to do things. And I've always been very comfortable with that level of ambiguity. And, and that you know, the whole business at the time was ambiguous. We had no idea. In fact, I remember the website went up and miraculously a couple of days later, the had our first order, and I looked at him like, well, now what? I don't know how to ship this stuff. I don't even know what to do. <laughs> and so there was a lot of trial and error there. And, you know, and if, if I had waited till I had tried to, you know, perfect the things that I was doing or try things out and, and do things until it was right, I, I could have been months, many, many months perhaps behind uh, other competitors who were getting also getting into the industry at the time. Uh, so I, I was just very comfortable with not knowing what to do and being comfortable with saying, well, I'm just going to have to figure it out as we go along. And God knows there were a lot of mistakes along the way, but I you know tried to make things better quickly. Can you give me an example of a mistake you that you made that you learned that you learned something from that was really critical to the success of, of your business? Oh, gosh, how much time do you have? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I can tell, you know, I can tell you one where I was, you know, I'm not, I'm not proud about, about this, but uh, in the early going when we had, um, you know, it was certainly within the first year and we, you know, every piece of gear mattered so much because we just didn't have that much stuff. And, you know, a woman had uh, placed an order for, uh, I forget what it was, and we didn't have many and we were getting wiped out clean of gear because business was so brisk. And at the very last minute, she canceled the order and I, and then I had been turning customers away and I, and I got a little upset at her and that was not that was not cool I, mm. I I shouldn't have done that I mean that was a terrible thing to do you know granted that never ever happened again but you know I felt bad about that you know there's there's been lots of instances I'm trying to think of others where you know we've done things that that we wouldn't do now or we would have done differently I you know maybe something will come to me I can't think of anything right now but you know in terms of taking reservations in the very beginning it wasn't something that we were you know we I say we it was me I wasn't very good at it until I built a system to you know uh, map that out a little bit better but I think I think it's an important point to can't be stressed enough that you're going to make mistakes. You oh, know, yeah. When you're an entre entrepreneur, especially when you're you're the whole company to start with, 
um, or even when you have just a, a modest number of employees to begin with, mm-hmm. is that mistakes are inevitable. And I think people are very phobic about making any mistakes because they think it's going to cost them everything. Yeah, you're right. You're you're totally right about that. And and you know, and and I and I tell all my coworkers here now, like we, uh, you know, certainly in the beginning, you know, in the early stages, we made lots of mistakes. And I I tell people, I say, you know, you can't be afraid to make mistakes. Like if if you do something that you know perhaps that you know we would have made a different decision than than what you did as long as you have a good reason for doing it it's okay you can't be afraid to make mistakes we've certainly you know we've spent lots of money on different marketing efforts or whatever whatever it may be that you know in the end just was perhaps you know in hindsight silly and, and a waste of money but it's like okay all right we tried this it didn't work we tried that it didn't work you know there's lots of things that we're doing uh, now either from a, a marketing or you know that we have done in the past marketing or technology or you know things that we're doing with gear or packing or shipping that you know gosh in hindsight that didn't make a lot of sense but okay we learned we moved on and we and we're getting better because of it i never want any of my coworkers here to feel like they can't take any risks for fear of being uh skewered for making a mistake because mm. that is like the death of progress right there if people are afraid to do something different then we're not going to grow ever as a company and we're not going to get better and that's a horrible place to be you know your business seems to have come it was a right idea at the right time and it was something that was shared by others who started similar businesses Mm. but what was what was it about 10 years ago that made it right for this idea to to thrive yeah yeah good also good good question um certainly the the proliferation of digital SLR photography at the time, which was just booming and booming. I'm sure you remember at the time, things were just so new and exciting and, and different. People were making, you know, massive transitions, either from film SLRs or, or you know, uh, even just people who were photography buffs, but had never really shot DSLR. Now they're buying digital SLRs, uh, which were just exploding at the time there was also you know and a lot of these people myself included at the time like didn't really know a lot about lenses and expensive lenses and people you know if you do know about lenses you know you can't afford everything that you want so you want to try different lenses to see if you want to buy it or you want it you just need a different kind of lens for whatever event it is that you're shooting and and i personally to all all of our customers at the time within you know in the first couple of years and there were lots of people out there who were just like you know they, they would call up in the beginning to place an order and they're asking about lenses and I'm talking to them because I was a shooter myself so I could talk the talk and I'm like no this is the you know they tell me what they were trying to accomplish in the event that they were shooting I'm like okay this is the lens that you want try it. I think you're really going to love it. You know, and it's, it's a Canon L lens. It's really great. And they've never shot with an L lens. And then they call me up a week or so later and like, oh my gosh, you were right. That was amazing. And now I get why that lens is $1,500 and it's way better than a $300 lens. Uh, and a lot of that can't be experienced until you're actually doing it yourself. Getting back to your question, I mean, the other part of it was, you know, as the proliferation of DSLR photography and photography in general uh, was was growing, um, of course, the the economy, you know, 07, 08, all the way up to 10 or, or beyond was, you know, in shambles. 
many, many, many people lost their jobs, of course. And, and then as a result, a lot of people just started shooting on the side just to try and get something. So there were so many weekend warriors out there, photographers who were, who were new to shooting professionally, even if they didn't charge a lot, they needed, they, they needed to shoot. They wanted to shoot with good gear. And so they rented a lot of gear because they didn't have a lot of money to go out and buy their own anyways. And they weren't charging a lot for uh, for whatever weddings or event there was. So there was a lot of people, you know, new to photography, new to the industry because, you know, quite, you know, sadly they, they had gotten laid off. There was a lot of that back then. So, you know, you said you were, you were shooting professionally. At what point did you have, did you realize that that was going to have to, you know, go by the wayside and you had to dedicate yourself (laughs) completely to lens products? Yeah. I, I, I don't remember the exact, I'd say it was probably, it was probably about a year after I started. I think um, I started I started Lens Pro to Go in like end of August of '06, and uh, you know it was certainly slow at first. Of course, um, by the by the summer of '07, I was still building up my photography business and was doing well. And and at the time, I was. Lens Pro to Go was in my house. I was the I was the only person. Uh, no one really knew that at the time. I used to always use pron- you know we pronouns and uh, I pronouns. <laughs> there was no we. I was literally taking every order, speaking to every customer, writing every email, packing every box, unpacking every box, uh, cleaning every piece of gear. By the summer of 07, it was you know a, a fairly significant volume for one person to do all of that, and on top of that, I was also shooting a lot. And I remember I you know by the end of the summer, I was uh, exhausted. I was thrilled and happy, and you know that was truly one of the happiest times of my life. Uh, but I was also exhausted, and I knew I had to stop shooting <laughs> around then. So it was it was right about then I think that I really stopped stop taking uh, photography jobs. And when you started it, you'd already had two of your kids? I have three kids. Uh, I have three daughters. Three daughters, okay. And yeah, they uh, at the time, in 06, they were, gosh, uh, they were all in elementary school at that point. Okay, so talk to me about that. I mean, you're, like you said, you know, you're taking a, a risk, you're, you're launching out into unfamiliar territory, mm-hmm. and you got three daughters to raise. Yeah. So that's always a big consideration with, for anyone who's trying to transition from one one career into another. So, uh, yeah, you know, not only financially, but in terms of just the time that you have to dedicate to the business yeah. as opposed to your family. Yeah, and certainly having a, a family, a young family, uh, was a huge amount of motivation for me to succeed because. Yeah, I, I had to provide. I, I, my wife did work at the time, uh, and still does. But I, uh, I was the main breadwinner. You know, I, I had a good job, and I, the last thing I wanted to do was to, you know, fail and then and then have to go back to the corporate world. That was like that was my biggest fear. Is you know, I, I, I knew I would be able to make a living. I just didn't want to do it back in having a job in corporate America. So the motivation to succeed with Lens Pro to Go was really, really, really high. Uh, I, I did. I worked a lot. I worked all the time and it was great. I, I don't regret any of that for a minute. 
you know, certainly there were times when I couldn't participate in family stuff, but you know, for the most part, I was there. I was around, and um, I don't recommend uh, jumping off the cliff like that in such a way for someone who who has a, a, a family, unless you're ready to fail mm-hmm. and, and then go back to to get a, a job. I mean, you know, but I I was ready to. I was ready to do that. wasn't the, It wouldn't be the right decision for everybody, but I was. I was ready to do that, and you know, thank thank goodness I did. So, what did you learn from your customers that that really helped you make mm. your your business as effective as it is? Yeah, well, you know, I, I did always want that awesome service company. I wanted people to walk away uh, with you know them saying, "My gosh, that was that was so great." Actually, no, I take that back. I I wanted to deliver it. I didn't think I would get the kind of feedback that I did. I wanted to just give them an awesome experience. What I what I didn't realize was was how appreciative so many people would be about it, because and, and and I got the feedback via you know either phone calls or emails, and certainly because we're we're renting gear, we're shipping it out, it comes back to us. We used to and still do to this day. We get love notes back. I call them love notes. You know, that might be just a, a thank you card, a handwritten thank you card in there, or you know, maybe it includes a picture of of what they you know use the gear for. Um, so people were really, really appreciative of this great service, uh, and that was you know certainly a lot of uh, confirmation that it was worth the time and the effort to provide that really great service because people love it and they, and they're so shocked by it. <laughs> <laughs> which is sad to say that they're shocked, you know, even I'm, I'm sure you've had plenty of occasions yourself where you're receiving great service and, and you know, maybe you feel like it's coming out of nowhere and, and what a great thing that is, right? Yeah. So what what is what is the service? What are the qualities that you bring in terms of customer service? What are, you know, specific things that you guys do differently from, say, your competitors that, that create that, that, that dyna- yeah. dynamic? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, um, I can say what we do now isn't necessarily all that we were able to do uh, back in the early days. Um, I can say now that we have, you know, for one, we have a really great uh, and, and easy and thorough website. At the time, we didn't. Of course, most websites back then weren't weren't that great. <clears throat> Certainly, ours fit that category. Um, but now we have a really great website. We want everything to be upfront and clear easy and respectful and fun at the same time. We want all of our email communications to be, you know, of, of that same uh, transparency and uh, clearness and, you know, a little bit of uh, character and humor in there. Uh, we want all of the, our inter- interactions with people on the phone. Uh, actually, before I get to that, I'll talk about the packaging is, you know, we ship, we, even from day one, we've shipped almost all of our gear in Pelican cases, which not only makes the gear really safe in getting to and from the customer, um, but it, it's a great uh, presentation for the customer. And then when the customer is packing the gear back up, they have a great peace of mind that's going to get back to us in good shape because it's in this awesome Pelican case that has this great foam in there and and a truck could run over the Pelican case and nothing's going to happen to it. Uh, so it's all those things. But I, I think the main thing that perhaps dif- uh, 
differentiates us from our competitors is that when you call us and you need some help, either you just need some help in placing the order or you actually have questions about photography or filmmaking or the kind of gear that, that you should be using, the phone is always answered by someone who is either a professional uh, photographer or filmmaker and can actually help you with that. Um, you know, it's wonderful to have a friendly voice on the phone who, who will do, you know, help you in whatever situation you're in, but it's another to be automatically in touch with someone who can give you great photography advice. Yeah. And that's what we do. Well, one of the things that you guys offer, which makes you very unique is this equip program. Yes. Um, tell us about that and how that, how that all came about. Uh, sure. So like all the other, uh, companies in in the industry we have a, a bit of a you know a following out there and and so we we get people reach out to us all the time uh, it started to really accumulate people will reach out to us and say hey you know I've got this um, project coming up or I've, I'm, I'm shooting for you know I'm a student or I'm shooting for my religious organization or I'm working for a charitable organization or I'm working for this group of, around this certain cause you know whether it be environmental cause or whatever kind of charitable cause it would be and and you know hey lens protego can you help us a little bit with some gear perhaps for this uh, project that we have for you know that we're not making any money on uh, and so and we would get these literally we still get these every day so what i wanted to create was and and we can't help everybody of course we can't we can't give free gear out to everyone who asks for it, even though I wish we could. Um, but so I wanted to create uh, a program and a vehicle by which people could apply and say, so it's like, oh, okay, yeah, you're looking for some some help. Well, here's, here's the link to the Equip program. And what the Equip program is, it's going to ask you on the website, it's a series of questions, you know, tell us a little bit about the project that you're going to be working on, who's going to benefit by it, um, you know, what does, you know, the endpoint look like, what does success look like for you, and and we get all these submissions, and then we're able to look at all these in a little bit more objective manner uh, and say, like, okay, you know, let's give uh, this particular uh, shooter uh, or this organization, we're going to provide them with, say, a $1,000 gear credit to, uh, so that they can get the gear in order to shoot um, whatever it is that they need for that charitable organization. So it's just a, it's a great vehicle for us to be able to award people for the good things that they're doing in the world. Because there's a lot of people out there trying to do some good in the world, and, and we can play a small part in that. I can't help everyone, but we can play a small part in that for some, and that's what the EQUIP program is. So can you tell me some of the projects or, or organizations that you've helped with that through the program? Yeah, I I can I could tell you my memory is terrible and <laughs> it's uh, unbelievable. But yeah, I I could tell we we helped uh, one young man with his uh, project at a uh, at a Chicago public school public high school. There we've helped some other 
other folks on their environmental projects, um, not just in the U.S., but around the world and, you know, those kinds of things, you know, when they're trying to raise awareness about different uh, environmental calamities that are happening, uh, we certainly like to participate in in, uh, projects like that, and we've done a couple of those. Um, but we get we get some really interesting uh, submissions, and we're trying to uh, divide up our gear credits among a, a whole wide range of of uh, uh, different kinds of uh, charitable organizations. That must be a challenge, especially as you said, since you get these kind of requests all the all the yeah, time. So, do you do. guys have a, co- a committee of people who will sit down and go through all the applications? How does that work? We do. It's a small committee. Uh, yeah, it's it's just a. a about three people who who look at the different submissions, and you know, we try to look at things that might jump out at us and say, "Oh, that that looks really, really interesting." And and, and certainly, the the way the um, submissions are are written affects it. If we you know, we can tell people are serious. And that was part of the impetus around Equip is that it's easy for you to fire off and for anyone to fire off an email to Lens Go saying, hey, I'm doing this thing. Can I get some free gear? You know, but it's another thing to really answer all the questions that we have and put them in a, in a, you know, cohesive and clear manner that says that, you know, yes, we're doing this and we're really serious about it. And here's the, a little bit about the organization and here's what we're going to be doing with the final uh, product, whether it's photography or video, whatever it may be. And here are the, some other organizations we're working with to promote the film. You know, it, it does help if they're if people are really, really thorough about what they're doing. You know how they're presenting it to us, and it's easier for for us to look at something like that and say, "Wow, you know, they they got their act together. Let's see if we can help them out." Uh, you know, in in the last ten years, the photographic industry has changed dramatically. Um, right. You know, the the, uh, the incorporation of motion capture, of video. Um, mirrorless cameras, so all these different things, you know, camera phones. But from your perspective, what have been some of the changes that you've noted specifically, and how have those sort of uh, influenced or changed your business? You know, I, I think in a lot of ways, the the world now is is less about the the gear and more about the story. And you know, what is it about the story that you're going to convey? I mean, it's one thing to take beautiful imagery, whether it's still or, or motion photography, video and whatnot. The, the gear is, I mean, there's some amazing gear out there, really, really wonderful. And, and certainly all of our smartphones have gotten much, much better at, at shooting both photography and stills, but professional gear can still do so, so much more uh, for you in terms of creating you know, a, a professional piece of uh, either photography or video. But you know, I, I think we've gotten a little bit more towards saying like, okay, well, wh- what are what are we trying to communicate to people? What is the story we're trying to convey? And I think you know that's what people are focusing on a little bit more now, which is really nice to see, uh, because it's it, it it turns the art into much more of a a communicative uh, piece rather than just just something beautiful. And that's not to say that you can't just go and create something beautiful. But I, I think I think there we're using the the art and the medium to really trying to uh, communicate our, our points of view or whatever it may be out there to you know help further a cause or, or whatever it is. But people are getting really good at that and using the tools that we have available to do that. Yeah. How do you find out about your clients beyond simply? 
you know, the, the gear that they choose to rent, because knowing who your clients are really is essential to you being able to not just serve them immediately in, in the current time, but also being able yeah. to anticipate what's going to be happening like six months or a year from now. Um, you know, that part is actually fairly easy for us because we're, we're talking to our clients all the time, every day. And so, you know, nothing happens in that regard overnight. It just happens gradually. And, uh, you know, and gradually might be over the course of six or 12 months. But, you know, as we're talking to our, our customers, we start to notice trends and see things that they're looking for, requesting the kinds of projects that they're working on, the kinds of gear that they need. And, you know, as, as we've, you know, grown in, from a very small company, and we're still a small company, but from a tiny company into a larger company now, We've been able to carry more and more gear as our customers have also gotten more and more sophisticated, uh, and so we we listen to them. You know, when we they hear like, okay, yeah, you're carrying this, but I really need the next step up now. If we start hearing that a lot, then we're going to start carrying that kind of gear to accommodate their needs. So that part is um, we don't have to reach very far because we're speaking to our customers every day. Yeah, you know, yeah. with a with a business, you're always trying to sort of keep up with your own growth, you know, not yeah. like overstep it where, you know, you, you all of a sudden, you know, spending much more money than you actually need to, but also you don't want the business to sort of get out of control either. Right. So that's a completely different lesson. I mean, success breeds its own complications. Yes. Uh, so talk to me about, about that aspect in terms of you having to sort of learn and adapt with, you know, the success of the business. Yeah, and that's uh, that's been hard. You know, that is that's really difficult. We we always want to try and uh, meet the demands of our customers, either in in the volumes of the gear or the kinds of different gear. Um, but we also we've we've never been the kind of company to just say, well, yeah, let's just carry everything because our customers seem to want that. Um, because we're shooters ourselves. We, uh, we, we only carry gear that we truly believe in, that we want to shoot with ourselves. And if we're not carrying a specific kind of uh, piece of gear, uh, maybe for a particular reason, we're going to tell our customers that. Like, you know, we're not going to c- carry, you know, 10 different pieces of uh, similar lighting or monitors or whatever the case may be. Because, like, well, you know, we're carrying, we're going to carry these two brands because you know they're really great and we really believe in them and you know if if depending on your project that's the that's the exact piece that you need so you know we've certainly trying to answer your question right but i think you know keeping yourself from expanding too wide on a product range Mm -hmm. is is important uh because you know the the money tree is not limitless we can't just buy everything we actually want to buy but we we want to be able to meet our customers needs so focusing on just the products that we truly believe in ourselves has helped us to you know meet our customers needs without having to expand too too wide in a product sense you know, we, we've certainly made mistakes before of, of overcasting for certain products that we thought were going to do well and then end up did not, you know, so we have to uh, change our, our product mix and sell gear perhaps that we were, you know, not planning on selling quite yet. So that can that can hurt. You know, there's lots of mistakes that we, we make along the ways, um, you know, certainly not spending money on things that, you know, are truly not going to generate money. I know I've personally been guilty of that and 
uh, spending money in different areas of advertising or marketing that we thought were going to work, Mm -hmm. but end up like, gosh, it really, really doesn't. So it's, it's hard, you know, again, there's no, there's been no blueprint for that. And I just think keeping keeping your wit your wits about you, your humility about you is a, is a good thing. <laughs> so, how has all this that you've created impacted your relationship to photography? Oh gosh, wow! No one's ever asked me that before. Um, I while I don't shoot professionally, I still love. I mean, I love photography, and that will always be the case. Uh, I hope that someday I can actually create a little bit of my own halfway decent photography again. I love... I love seeing what our customers can do. And, and we have you know, truly some really, really talented people, certainly on both the photography and the, and the filmmaking end. And occasionally customers will reach out to us, say, hey, you know, you know, check this out or see what I'm doing here. And, and sometimes I'll look, it's like, oh my gosh, that is amazing. That is just some amazing work and it's really inspiring to see. So, you know, because of, of, the, of the company that I uh, have here in the industry that I'm in, I get I get exposed to a lot of amazing and inspiring pieces of work that you know I, I'm sure I wouldn't otherwise be exposed to, and you know for that I'm just I'm really grateful. It's it's amazing to see some talented people out there to see what they can do. It makes me feel inadequate as a photographer myself, <laughs> but that's okay. You know, I, it gives me something to shoot for. That's the way I feel about this show. Uh, yeah you're doing great thank you well my last question that i ask each guest is i ask them to recommend one photographer for our listeners to discover and explore and it can be anyone someone they've long admired or someone they've recently discovered so who would that one photographer be and why you know i i would say that i one guy one 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 young guy just recently reached out to me he is the uh he's He's on Instagram, actually, and uh, he's he's a Nikon shooter. I, offhand, I can't remember exactly what his Instagram handle is. It's something like uh, Underground New York City. He's doing some really really great work that I really enjoy watching. You know, it, shoot, looking at his uh, at his work. I, I don't know. It's it, he certainly shoots. Uh, it's a lot of lot of people in in various places throughout New York City. Uh, and I really love the work. It's uh, it's really it's really great. It's inspiring to see. Well, you can get you can get it to me, and I'll, I'll include his Instagram tag in the show notes so people can look it up and and, and check it out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll shoot you the link over for sure. Well, and uh, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, but no, thank you so much. I really enjoyed yeah. having the chance to to talk with you and learn so much about uh, the, the the business and the story behind behind it. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Varn. It's really great to be on the show with you, and you asked some really, really great questions, and uh, thanks for making me feel comfortable. Thanks to Paul for sharing his time and his story with us and to demonstrate his support for the work that we do here at TCF. He's offering our listeners 10% off any order that you place through Lens Pro to Go. Just use the promo code CANDIDFRAME10 at checkout when visiting lensprotogo.com. And thank you for your continued support of the Candid Frame. If you haven't already, please take the time today to write a review in the iTunes store. Your ratings and comments help people to discover the great conversations we offer here at TCF. 
You can also support the show by making a monthly contribution through Patreon. Visit patreon.com forward slash the candid frame, or you'll find a link in the show notes and the candid frame website. Or if you just want to make a one-time contribution to the show, you can do so via PayPal by clicking on the donate button on the candid frame website or the show notes. Thanks to Epstein Michael for their recent contribution. Much appreciated. To access our complete archive of interviews, download the free Candid Frame app, available for Apple iOS and Android. Not only will you immediately receive the latest episode on your phone or tablet, but you can now easily share your favorite episodes on your social networks and help spread the word. And if you want to drop me a line with comments or suggestions for the show, you can email me directly from the app. Download it today by clicking on the link in the show notes or the website at thecandorframe.com. The Candor Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor. You can find at theothermartintaylor.com. The show's senior producer is Cynthia Parker. And our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at simply at IbadianX. And this is IbadianX, and this is The Candid Frame.